Hi, all of you wonderful scuba divers out there. Welcome to the Scuba Diver Magazine podcast, where I break down the latest scuba diving news and just things that have piqued my interest over the previous week. The podcast is sponsored by the scuba diving giant Scuba Pro, who manufacture a wide range of diving equipment for entry-level scuba divers experiencing the underwater world for the first time to advanced technical divers and professional scuba divers as well. I'll talk more about Scuba Pro later on in this podcast. Hi, all of you awesome scuba divers out there. Welcome to the Scuba Diver Magazine podcast. Uh, this week, one of the big London dive stores has closed. A liverboard has run aground in rapidly sinking tides. A handful of commercial divers have received police cautions for falsifying records. Uh, that's a big no-no. Uh, and a baby shark was rescued from an entanglement with a glove. So first off, long-established London scuba and water sports equipment store Ocean Leisure has closed its doors for the last time. Um, quote is, if you visit their website, there's a... Um a statement at the beginning of their homepage and it says the combined effort of Brexit, COVID and rising costs has made the business untenable and we have been left with no alternative but to close. Uh, Ocean Leisure Limited was set up in 1981 so it's been around for a good few generations of new scuba divers uh, and it was on Northumberland Avenue close to um, the Thames Embankments near Charing Cross and it could claim to be the capital's only central retail site to combine sales of scuba diving, sailing and triathlon equipment all under one roof. Uh, they did a little bit of everything. It wasn't just a scuba dive centre. Um, they did scuba, so yeah, all sorts of uh, like water sports. Priding itself on expert assistance for customers, it also had a specialist extreme sports and underwater photo center, ocean leisure cameras and servicing and repair workshops for diving equipment, and managing director of the company was Peter Haslam. Going back to the statements, uh, it continues to say that we would like to thank all of our customers over the last 44 years of for your custom. Um, creditors or others with unfinished business are directed to contact the insolvency company company WSM Marks Bloom LLC um, and it's got contact details at the uh, the bottom of the statement uh, so yeah another one of the big UK dive re online retailers and dive stores I mean one of the things about Ocean Leisure was that yeah I imagine rent was pretty pricey uh, for its location in London and it's it's one of those things where you're not going to get that much kind of footfall traffic for it. Um, so you, you're then kind of leaning into the website. And if you're doing most of your trading online, then why do you need a London based store? Um, but yeah, Ocean Leisure has uh, has closed its doors, unfortunately. Moving further north up to Scotland, the, the Tobermory RNLI lifeboat and two fish farm boats were sent to the assistance of a liverboard that ran aground on rocks near the entrance to Loch Sunart on Monday. The, um, the Honeydew, uh, familiar to many divers as the vessel formerly known as Valkyrie in the Orkney Islands, found itself stuck on rocks some 2.7 nautical miles to the northeast of Tobermory in a rapidly falling tide. One of the workboats transferred 11 divers onto the lifeboat and then returned to the Honeydew to help the liveboard crew set the anchor, secure the vessel in place so it didn't topple over and capsize uh, before taking them to the lifeboat as well. 
A few hours later, the lifeboat and the liverboard crew together with the workboats returns to the Honeydew to get it refloated on the rising tide. Once the Honeydew was refloated, checked all over for damage, she made her own way back to Tobermory with the liver, um, not the liverboard, the lifeboat escorting. In a statement on their Facebook page, Honeydew owner Sarah Chan said, As some of you may have heard, we have had a bit of a hair-raising experience this week aboard the MV Honeydew. Fortunately, I'm pleased to report that all aboard were kept safe and the vessel herself is fine. In fact, we are able to get back to normal operations within 48 hours of the incident. So it proves it's got a nice strong hull. Uh, enormous thanks are due to the Tobermory RNLI lifeboat and the Maui Scotland's been more Sarah Ann and their crew who played a major part in the rescue and have continued to go above and beyond in helping us out as well as other boats who came to assist us including the Compass Rose. We are so grateful that you were there and willing to assist when we most needed it. Sarah was also full of praises for her guests. A, a very special, uh, the, quoting now, a very special shout out to our guests on board this week who were absolutely amazing throughout, keeping calm and following instructions to the letter, being incredibly understanding, helping and supporting throughout, and remaining upbeat and cheerful through the whole experience. There couldn't possibly be a better group of divers to have on board when things go a bit wrong. A bit wrong being an understatement. Lifeboat coxswain David McAfee uh, also expressed his thanks and said, we would like to extend our gratitude to all vessels who responded to offer assistance during this service. The crew of the vessels Sarah Ann and Bin Maui uh, were exceptionally helpful in assisting to the casualty vessel and took time out of their working day and beyond to assist us. Um, yes, truth. I, I, I've certainly have never experienced anything like this. I've seen a fair few like headlines where liverboards have run aground and um, there was a new story. It's truth. It'll be a few months ago now where, yeah, it, it literally capsized. Um, I think it was a, uh, an imbalance in the, uh, in the water. So um, it, I think it had just come out of dry docks and, um, and it was the, the first vessel out or sorry, the first trip out for the vessel. And yeah, it, it basically listed over to its port side, I believe. And, people below deck literally had to climb out over the furniture to get to the door to get out of the liverboard uh that was an incredible story um but uh but no from from the pictures it just ran aground on these um uh, on these rocks that were just below the surface and um and yeah after the tide came back up again they uh, they dusted her off had a quick check around made sure everything was fine and uh yeah perfectly fine um got her back to um uh, back to shore and uh, and yeah she's she's in fully functioning uh working order so um so happy ending uh the um the the poor divers didn't uh obviously um didn't get to complete their uh, their entire itinerary um but hey at, at least they got a cool story out of it moving to the commercial side of diving two offshore commercial divers and the director of a diving company have been sanctioned for exaggerating credentials so investigators from the health and safety executive or hsc have slammed the trio for false claims of diving experience that could have jeopardized their own and other divers lives in an offshore incident following a hsc investigation two divers from the portsmouth area have had their dive qualifications withdrawn the two men and the director of 
an unnamed commercial diving company have also received police cautions for fraud. In December 2022, HSC received information that two divers may have obtained their closed bell qualifications without having the necessary prior diving experience. There was concern that their lack of experience could have resulted in a diving incident offshore as both divers had worked for contractors in the North Sea. In order to work here in the UK as a saturation diver, uh, also known as a closed bell diver, a diver needs an approved qualification. There are only two diving schools in the world that currently offer this qualification, IMPP in Marseille, France, and the Commercial Dive Academy in Tasmania. HSE contacted both of these dive schools and obtained details of the dive submitted to the schools by the divers as part of their enrolment. Inspectors then followed this information up with several UK diving contractors to check on whether the claimed diving experience was genuine. They they do check your paperwork so you do have to do it properly and due to the legal requirement for diving contractors to retain records of dives for at least two years the contractors were able to provide accurate details of dive depths and times for the individuals concerned and funnily enough they didn't really match up the director of the diving company in question was unable to provide records which is always suspect, um, despite having signed and stamped the diver's logbook himself. HSE went to the location of the claimed diving and with the assistance of the harbour master was able to demonstrate that no diving had occurred on the dates recorded in the diver's logbooks. Uh, everybody involved records these kind of things. The diver had forged 10 at this location and in order to demonstrate that he had 20 dives over 15 meters deep, um, these had all been fraudulently stamped and signed by the director. Uh, the other diver was very short of experience and HSE could only find records that he had carried out around 28 dives, uh, only one of which was deeper than 15 meters. Um, but of course, now he's applying for like commercial saturation jobs, deep, deep diving and he had declared that uh, or sorry de declared to the dive school that he had 106 dives and 26 of which were deeper than 15 meters um so no <laughs> 28 dives uh none of which were uh, were deeper than um oh sorry correction only one of which was deeper than 15 meters i mean on my hse scuba course i had to do a dive deeper than um, than 15 meters um HSE worked closely with the fraud investigation team of Hampshire Police. All three individuals admitted that they had made false entries into logbooks and received police cautions for fraud by false representation under the Fraud Act 2006. HSE Diving Inspector Phil Crombie said... You need diving experience to become a qualified closed bell diver and making it up could put your life and other divers at risk. Offshore diving contractors need to use qualified divers and these men could have worked anywhere across Great Britain. If we hear divers have made up their experience in order to get into a closed bell course, we will look very carefully at all of the records available. A logbook is a document required by law. This is on the commercial side. On the recreational side, uh, it's a bit more lax. Commercial side, you have to fill out your logbook very, very specifically. And it is yeah, a legal document that you do have to um, like maintain and 
save uh keep it somewhere safe uh, making false entries is a criminal offence. The police cautions issued meant that we are able to have the qualifications withdrawn quickly by the relevant authorities. Closed bell courses cost over £15,000 for a diver, and these divers have ended up losing that without gaining a qualification. It's just fortunate that they weren't involved in any accident or incident. So Hampshire Police PC Alan Mahamt said the men involved in this case did not have the requisite experience to undertake dive work of this nature, posing a serious risk of harm to themselves. This is in addition to their actions, which clearly amounted to criminal offences. We take any aspect of fraud seriously, and we are pleased to collaborate with HSC to achieve a suitable outcome in this case. We hope this will in turn reduce the likelihood of any further offending if offending continues then these individuals face severe consequences in the criminal courts so yeah very serious um uh sort of allegations and uh, and charges held against them uh yeah no nah, it's really serious um when you get especially into uh, sort of closed bell saturation diving um you want to make sure that the guy opposite you is like qualified to uh, to be there and if it's as easy as just someone just stamping and and signing off a, a logbook uh yeah no nah. you um you have to um sort of do it all properly because everyone else is saving that information and if they do an audit on you and they realize that hey you know what you said that you went diving to this depth in this place uh this place doesn't reach that depth or um, the harbor master doesn't have any kind of records of it uh they're going to check into it and uh, and you're going to get into trouble so do record things properly and the final news story a connecticut couple's scuba diving trip in rhode island on monday turned into a mission to rescue a baby shark uh so deb and steve dauphinays i think is your name uh of glastonbury connecticut were were diving on the sand flats of Jamestown in Rhode Island when Deb spotted a 16-inch juvenile shark with its head stuck inside of a work glove at the bottom at about uh, 35 metres deep. Deb, who's a dive instructor, said she thought that the shark was dead because it wasn't moving, but when it twitched, she motioned for her husband to come over and help. She says that he came over uh, and did his own little double take uh, because it's basically, yeah, this this baby shark with a glove for a face and um and she sort of said to that her husband tugged on the glove which seemed to be like suctioned onto the shark's head probably because work gloves tend to be quite um like tightly knit and if it's on the shark's head and they're inhaling water it's kind of suctioning it on um but eventually they managed to uh, to pop the glove off and uh, and release the shark they said that they weren't afraid of being attacked by what appeared to be a juvenile dogfish shark, uh, but they were cautious in case it did snap at them because even small sharks do have teeth and uh, is in a pretty vulnerable spot and it may have been there for some time so you never know it can um, like lash out so you do have to be a little bit careful of the uh, the bitey end. And she said it kind of looked at both of us, uh, didn't look at all injured, got its equilibrium back and then swam off back to where it was supposed to be. Um, Deb, who's been an instructor for about 30 years, said that it's not the first time that she's rescued a marine animal in distress. A few years ago, she freed a black sea bass that had been hooked on a discarded fishing line. So more ghost gear. And it only goes to show that just anything that you put 
in the water um it is just it can be dangerous to some marine life um it's just a glove that probably some fishermen uh just either dropped off the side or threw off the side and uh, and this shark has like inspected it maybe um just giving a bit of a sniff but of course as it swam forwards and uh, and inhaled it just kind of sucked the uh, the glove onto its head and uh, and it stuck and if it wasn't for deb and husband um yeah they probably would have uh, it probably would have died there unfortunately the poor little blighter Moving on to Ask Mark questions that were a little bit short to have a, a complete video done about them. Uh, the first one comes from Aidan Finucane, uh, and they say, Good afternoon. I have a question regarding masks. I'm completely blind in one eye. I've been considering a full face mask, specifically the Ocean Reef Neptune 3. Do you feel I would have a better field of view peripheral than a standard low volume mask? I'm interested in both warm and cold water diving. I have less than 20 dives and do understand and the training required uh, and the very high and very unfortunate price tag uh, yeah, most full face masks do tend to have a, a pretty wide field of view and they have the added benefit of defogging themselves. So you, you don't really have to worry too much about, um, uh, about defogging them. Um, so yeah, yeah, they, um, the, it depends on the model. The uh, the Ocean Reef Neptune three, yeah, yeah, it has actual side windows as well to uh, to increase your uh, your peripheral vision. So uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd be quite happy with uh, with that. It does have quite a few benefits. Uh, I mean, there are pros and cons to uh, to full face masks. The first one being that your whole face is protected from the water, so that's particularly nice in cold waters, and disgusting water as well because the cold water and the dirty water uh, doesn't actually touch your face you don't have to bite down on anything neither there's no mouthpiece i mean it depends uh if you get the um what is it the kirby morgan oh, is it the mark 48 or something that does have a mouthpiece but the ocean reef neptune 3 and and a lot of other full face don't have a um a mouthpiece that you bite down on um you can add a whole bunch of accessories to a lot of them including like underwater communications but it means that someone else has to have the communication to be able to talk to them um surface air valves always useful so that you're not wasting gas um the main downside is that yeah it's it's literally attached to your face which is great on the dive it's quite hard to uh, to dislodge a, a full face mask but when you're on the surface if you're um like de-kitting and trying to get into a rib it's a little bit tricky um you basically have to take the mask off and just be without the mask uh or disconnect it um hey it's uh it's not the end of the world but um yeah you probably would have a, a wider field of view compared to a more traditional mask uh the next question comes from Nia ifrach i'm gonna say um and they say what do you think about building your own harness and backplate from aliexpress and building a well-known brand wing like hollis or x deep um so you can find some great bargains on websites like those uh just remember that the separate components probably haven't been tested to the same standards uh and as with most things when you're buying from those kind of websites what you actually receive might not be uh, what was originally pictured um and they're probably not going to have the same like clever features or finish 
But uh, yeah, it, it's hard for them to go wrong with like a D ring and tri gliders. Uh, it may take a little bit longer for it to uh, to be shipped, and you've probably saved yourself, don't know, a few quid, a few dollars. Um, but hey, if it does the same thing and you're you're happy with um, and you're happy with that, then yeah, great. Uh, webbing. I mean, you do have to be a little bit careful with webbing because there's there's webbing and then there's webbing. Um, you for your harness, you really want stiff webbing because the uh, the thinner, softer stuff. It's um, tri gliders don't uh, like or D rings and tri gliders don't hold their position. They uh, they move around, which is a bit annoying. Uh, it's it's softer, so it's a little bit nicer. But yeah, your D rings do shift around with minimal effort, even with a, a serrated tri glider. Um, but yeah, the the little hardware stuff, your uh, your quick release buckles and stuff. Yeah, if you really wanted to, uh, I mean, you're not going to get like an X deep. I mean, I imagine you're not going to get a uh, an X deep design off of um, uh, AliExpress, but um, hey, you're you're also doing like your local dive center a bit of a disservice um, if you're throwing all of your money at China. Um, then yeah, just like um, Ocean Leisure, if everyone starts buying stuff from abroad just because it's a little bit cheaper, I mean. There's a little bit and then there's a lot cheaper. So you do kind of have to weigh that up. But yeah, if you are constantly sending all of your money abroad, then yeah, you just say goodbye to your, to your local dive center. So I always recommend shop and dive local. Um, but it is really up to your like moral system, shall we say? Um, personally, I wouldn't, but if if it's not a big deal to you, then yeah, it's, it's quite hard for them to uh, to mess up a, a D ring. Uh, a nice short one here from Mikhail. Uh, just ask ask Mark why are you not still an instructor. Uh, I just, I think at the time I felt like I'd like plateaued. Um, I didn't really want to uh, to progress up the ladder and um, and just spend more money to be able to teach more courses uh i loved teaching um and i still love teaching but uh no i i I don't really teach anymore and um it just it got to a point where it was very or it was starting to get a bit repetitive and i wanted something a little bit different and um and yeah I, i quit my job as an instructor i was then looking for uh for work elsewhere just uh like instructor work or anything then i saw the uh, the job advert for uh, for simply scuba and uh, and figured hey i could do that i used to work at a, a dive center um and um i knew the equipment and yeah i started there and then that's when i got more into like the the retail side and um of the uh of the dive industry uh and with sean we built up the uh, the youtube channel because originally it was just like equipment just unboxing videos basically and uh, and then we pivoted it a bit to uh, to a bit more lifestyle kind of stuff and advice and um just kind of lent into that um it's more of like keeping up with uh your fees because it costs instructors a fair amount of money to um revalid uh, revalidate each year um and you also have to um, to revalidate certain courses that you don't want to teach 
neither uh you kind of have to pay for those and, and it's just like oh no it just got a bit much for me i was just like you know what no i'm just gonna end that section of my uh of my diving career as it were um so yeah and and also it comes down to eventually something is something might happen where a student gets hurt or something happens and it's just like you know what that's a lot of responsibility um i'm happy for someone else to uh, to take that responsibility on um i'd rather just like enjoy my diving without having to look after everyone else around me uh continually whenever you get on a dive boat as an instructor you're just I mean, even before you get on the dive boat, you're just switched on. You're just looking for anything to make sure that everything goes really nice and smoothly. Whereas as soon as you can take that kind of instructor hat off, you can kind of relax and just enjoy your diving. You get to a stage where you're kind of, you're only in the water with students. It's nice to be able to actually go diving. And when you work at a dive center, if that's all you're doing day in day out is just going diving then um or just teaching then you really need to uh, sort of force yourself to to actually go diving just for fun again um and and yeah that's kind of the stage that i was at and um and then yeah after simply scuba it was just like well i don't really need my instructor ticket anymore um i've no real intentions to go back to uh, to teaching so um, so yeah that was it i just let it lapse Paul Milton asks, are regulator bag brands specifically designed for that brand, i.e. Scuba Pro regulator bag designed for only Scuba Pro regulators? Uh, no, uh, they're, they're all very much the same. Um, they just have a different name on them. Some have like handy little pockets and pouches and document things. Uh, but no, most regulator bags are pretty similar. It's just a, a zippered bag with some padding on the, um, on all sides. Uh, the only different ones that I can think of, you've got like the Apex, uh, MTX RC bag. I think it was the RC version. And that's like a full on laptop bag which is kind of cool. Um, you get some like Velcro patches with it as well and some like Molly things. Uh, so that was, that was kind of a, a cool bag and it only comes with the, uh, the MTX RC. Uh, they specifically weren't selling it as a separate part. Um, the, the old oceanic one comes to mind and that was round. That was a bit of a pain because whilst regulators do coil up, it was quite a small circle to be able to fit them all in so you did have to put them in quite tightly i uh, prefer a slightly larger one so that there's not so much like force on the hoses to bend them especially at the ferrule um but otherwise nah um i don't think anyone's going to give you any second looks if you put a poseidon regulator in a scuba pro bag or mares or whatever um nah they're all pretty much the same um just just look for one that has the best features uh the branding on it doesn't really matter um and that's about it for this week um yeah thank you for listening everybody uh if i sound a little bit different it's because i'm i'm recording in a different room at the uh, at the moment um and I couldn't really find any new or exciting equipment. Um, the, the only interesting thing is that the, um, uh, what you call it? The GoPro, God, is it the 12 now? Um, is, uh, is on scuba.com. Uh, that was kind of interesting. The, um, 
there are prices for the new um the scuba probe 60th anniversary uh gear the s620 ti the uh, the red regulator is two thousand two hundred dollars uh and the uh, the g3 where's that gone bear with me the red like uh 60th anniversary version of the uh, the galileo 3 dive computer is 1963 dollars that's a nice round number well done um whereas the um uh, the regular version is 1300 dollars um i I really want to get my hands on one of those and uh, and test it out uh but otherwise it's all pretty much stuff that you've probably seen or heard of before um yeah, it seems that there's a lot of new GoPro stuff on uh, on scuba.com. There's also a a new dive computer that they're advertising which is a, an OM uh, TG7 camera which is in itself waterproof down to like 15 meters. So kind of shallow diving, uh, but it has this like ultra macro mode that they call uh, like microscope mode. Uh, so for the really little things like nudibranchs and stuff, uh, but it's, yeah, it's mainly for, um, uh, for shallow water. I haven't seen a, um, uh, underwater housing for it, but for snorkeling, definitely a uh, very shallow water diving as well. I'd probably start to slow down when I get to about 10 meters, uh, when I'm diving with it. But yeah, that's uh, that's five hundred and fifty dollars. So uh, if you want a, a waterproof tough camera, then um, then yeah, OM System Tough TG Seven Digital Camera Black. Uh, I haven't heard of OM System, but hey, it's a it's an underwater camera. Um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, so yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, all of you awesome scuba divers out there. Uh, remember to check out today's sponsor, scubapro.com. Um, most of you probably have um, heard from scuba Pro. Uh, I used to teach using a lot of their uh, their equipment. It's tough and, uh, and really reliable. And they've got some nice, nice new stuff because they're celebrating their 60th anniversary. Um, but yeah, that's it for the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. And of course, safe diving.